This is a special mashup edition of the BGM podcast coming at you. We're very excited and proud of the accomplishments that we made last year in 2015. So as we are here in the new year in 2016, wanted to give you a special mashup edition of all of the best podcast episodes that we had last year with tons and tons of celebrity guests. And also, we have been recognized by many publications, including the Huffington Post and Salon, for being a lead podcaster in this space. So thank you so much for the accolades. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the Black Girl Nerds podcast in three different ways. You can go to soundcloud.com forward slash black girl nerds. Follow us there. Make sure to give us some hearts if you like the podcast. Feel free to comment if you have something to add to what was discussed. Also, you can subscribe to us via iTunes. On iTunes, be sure, please, 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 because iTunes, they really like it when people rate and comment. Uh, So give us a rating, give us a comment, and let us know how we're doing on iTunes. Also, we're on Stitcher Radio, so go to stitcher.com forward slash blackgirlnerds. And you can find us on there. Thanks again for your support of the BGM podcast, Black Girl Nerds podcast, either way you want to call it. It's the same thing. We look forward to some really great content in the new year. Filmmaker and actress Reagan Gomez. You think about it, but I don't see why not. Because yeah. everybody's already online. The same people who are going to see Black Panther are online as well. So, And when you see a movie like Black Panther, you're going to want to see consistently uh, shows or movies like that starring black people. Because when you go see Black Panther with a, a black man in the lead and he's strong and he's not a fucking Tyrese and he's, you know, <laughs> doing everything that he needs to do and he's... Uh all of that you can't just leave that movie and go home to your regular house and turn on tv and not see characters like that you're Mm going to want to see characters like that a lot more you know so i think this is the perfect time for original content creators of color to get in where they fit in as far as the digital space and create the content that people want to see that's why people are online because they are not seeing what they want to see on tv because they don't feel represented on tv and film you know, and I don't even think we need to wait for Black Panther. I think obviously I'm going to go see it, but I don't even think we need to wait for that. Why do we need to wait for that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could do it on our own. It's a lot more work that way. You have to find the money. You have to find the actors. You have to make it feel authentic and real and good like we expect the Black Panther is going to be. And that's the other challenge, because when people think of web series, especially when you when you put black in front of anything, people always think it's going to be less than, not as good right. as black, cheesy, corny. Especially when you put black thriller, black sci-fi, they really think mm-hmm. it's going to be funny. You know, so so you have to put in that extra effort to make it fantastic. And a lot of people are intimidated and scared of that. But I say go go for it, go for it. We need it. We need it. Why can't we be superheroes? Why can't we be? The kids of the hit TV show Blackish on ABC. She says, Who is the biggest prankster on set? Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anthony's a jokester. Oh, yeah, Anthony. (laughs) Figured as much. Of course, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Any, Any stories you can tell us about one of the pranks that he pulled on you guys on set? Oh. Um scared me so bad uh, and 
on the pilot, um, we, we were shooting, um, at our, um, house, in, like, outside our house, mm-hmm. and, um, and while we were eating lunch, we were, like, sitting right next to a pool, or, like, like, right next to the pool, and I was eating lunch, and then, um, and then he was walking, and then he said, Kayla, there's an alligator in the pool! And then I just stand up, and I just, yeah, I just literally just ran to my mom. <laughs> Is it weird going back to school after you've uh, been gone shooting? Are your um, friends different or anything? Well, it's so it's kind of different because like like when you're in public school, with, you're with all these classmates and you're with the teacher, and like it's like a big room. And um and um when we go to um set school, really it is just Marcus, Yara, and me, Miles. So, yeah, so it's kind of different to have more than less people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited because I'm actually I'm going to school tomorrow, and and what's really and and what's really kind of weird is, um, since I've like sometimes when I would be at set like for a long time, I when I would go back to school, I would kind of think that the people from my set school were those people. How do you balance um, doing school and acting at the same time? Um, I know the, the Miles and Marseille say that they have, there's their onset tutor and then they have school as well. Um, is it hard for you to balance that with like doing all of your homework and learning all your lines and things like that? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult, but we always find a way to um, make sure that school is a priority mm-hmm. because even um, above acting, school is a number one priority because I definitely want to go to college. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I usually spend around um, uh, a, a, a large amount of time a day to uh, make sure that I get all my schoolwork done and turn it into my teachers. And it's definitely a balancing act because because uh, then you have to deal with uh, set life still and you have to, like, go do your lines and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, most of my uh, time at home, I also will be doing homework and stuff like that. So uh, school is a major priority for me. And um, I definitely think that that takes up a lot of uh, a lot of my day. And uh, I I love doing schoolwork. Uh, me specifically. I mean, math is difficult for me, but I like doing. <laughs> me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah algebra math. two is hard, but um, I like doing things like uh, biology, um, yeah. English. Yeah, all those subjects are really fun to me. So I enjoy doing my schoolwork, but it's it's still a difficult challenge. Christy Marks, Samantha Newark, and Britta Phillips of Gem and the Holograms. There there was actually a great deal of awareness of trying to achieve a certain amount of ethnic balance if you could. And and I have to, you know, you have to give props to Hasbro as well because they made a multi-ethnic group. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got white, you've got black, you've got Asian, and then they added Hispanic and, and so forth. So, you know, I think that that's, that was showed a great deal of, of awareness. And I think that's one of the things that has contributed so well because everybody had a character that they could associate with. Everyone could associate with either Shana or Raja or whoever, you know, whoever they wanted to, to, to relate to. And so I, I think that diversity was baked into the project from the very beginning. So I'm not surprised that it, it has reached a wide range of people. And, um, 
this this was actually true in a very funny way in that in that reversely they would not allow me to use anyone ethnic as a villain mm, <laughs> it worked the other way around that's what how how sensitive they were to these things because i thought it would have been fun a lot of fun to add a black character to the misfits but they're like oh no no we, we couldn't do that no couldn't do that so you know it's so there was that that real sensitivity to that yeah even back then um there were definitely songs that i that made a bigger impression on me i would say particularly the early ones and i mean the theme song is <laughs> that i mean that was um and the fact that it I thought it was an audition for me, and they ended up using it as a theme song. So it was sort of, yeah, it was. It's, I always hear it. I always hear myself because um, I had a cold that day, so I always <laughs> hear that. But I really like that, and also I would say Twilight and Paris, uh, only the beginning, only me and the music. Those are some of the, the early ones that really were exciting to do. It is. And I was I was just in uh where was I? I was in Canada last year and I, I got whisked off to a drag bar, which was so awesome. And and um before I knew it, I'm standing in front of this ten foot tall drag queen with eyelashes that are like two feet long and just this incredibly beautiful drag queen who grew up in the Caribbean, I think, and had this really strong Caribbean accent and was crying because oh she couldn't believe that she was talking to the, the voice of Jem. And it was Aww. it was just awesome. It was it's just unexpected. And, and like you said, humbling, incredibly humbling. Wonderful. Um, the, you know, Actor the time out of, of The Last the Dragon. You, know, you had all you know, the Chinese guys. You had... <laughs> You know, my little brother, got a rest in peace, Richie had shown up. He had all these wonderful, colorful, bigger-than-life characters, including myself. Uh, and that's how you woke up every morning going to work, you yeah. know. And and I was from New York, you know. And it, everything happened so fast. I, you know, you know, there weren't – nobody even really knew I was really doing this movie. I told a few friends, and <laughs> I was really – I, you know, next thing you know, it I'm I'm hanging out with Barry Gordy and Diana Ross and wow and uh, Smokey Robinson and uh, you know all these you know legends in the music business. You know, and they, they flew me out to L.A. and I'm staying at Barry Gordy's house and he's giving me his Mercedes to drive around. I'm only 19, Woo. you know. You know, <laughs> you know, so I'm all over the, Living the dream. Admit, you know, I never hung out in that way before. So wow. <laughs> they tell me, just go to this place, go that way. I'm driving around alone and end up, you know, going to this place. It was the funniest, the funniest thing ever. You know, I'm, you know, take, I, I have a book I'm writing and I'll have it out this year. I'm, you know, Barry Gordy takes me to the Playboy Mansion, you know. <laughs> so it's wow. like all these things yeah. happen. And this, this all happened within a six month time, you know, mm. you make a movie, you're thrown out to LA, you know, all this is going on. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Author and supervising producer of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Baratunde Thurston. Your book brings up a great deal of snarky discussion about blackness and what it is to be black. But do you think that there's an innate fear of the word? Why or why not? Ooh, and I think 
might depend on who we're talking about. There's certainly a fear of the word by, I don't even know if it's all non-black people or just particularly white people in the U.S. of a certain type who feel like saying the word black is somehow also a, a racial derogatory term. And you, know, you it's in that awkward moment where you refuse to describe somebody's race. You're like, oh, you know, it was the guy with the, he had the shoes on, he was wearing pants, you know, he was standing in the room uh, vertically, like when people stand, and like you know, the black one. Oh, I mean, I, I would never say that, but yeah. So it's that. So there's a fear of it in in that sense. And then we got like our own people and our migration through, uh, you know, the terms whether it's Negro, Negro American, Afro American, African American, people of African descent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're just getting longer uh, and longer. I like black because I'm a fan of efficiency. And yes. I want to be able to say other things besides black. And if I'm going to say I'm a person of African descent, then that's going to probably remove some characters to say that I'm also like a geek and a dancer and I like to cook. And, you know, that's mechanically is not really how life works, but I do. I'm fine with black. And uh, I don't I don't sense, though, that there is like a super great. I don't think there's a permanent fear uh, of black out there. I think we we our language goes in waves and, and we'll be we'll be black again actress and voice oh, animation yeah, artist Cree Summer and, and everybody <laughs> seems to love the foxy too um <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I do know but you know that's between me and getting my rent paid um <laughs> but I love fox love um See, who else do I love? Uh, always love Susie from the Rugrats because she put everybody yeah. in their place. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I love number five from Kids Next Door. <laughs> you know, it's just something. She also was such a strong, cool character. And you know what? I really love, um, I've, I'll always be endeared to Penny from Inspector Gadget because she started this whole lovely journey for me. I really love Max from Batman Beyond. It was such a cool character, yeah. you know, to integrate this, you know, young African-American, you know, teenage chick into the Batman series and have her be so pivotal. I, I just love that. And, uh, you know, who else do I love? Kida, of course, because you're part of a Disney film and, mm-hmm. you know. What girl doesn't want to be a, a Disney princess? Although I, Kida is not formally acknowledged as a princess. It's really rude that she's not. That's it's bullshit. really rude that she's princess. not. She's I didn't know that yeah. she wasn't. I always considered her a princess. Yeah. She's not a part That's of the official not, canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's not officially counted. That's right. That's right, unfortunately. Voice acting also is, is a small little community in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And... um I can't explain how blown away I am by the talent and the generosity of the voiceover community. I don't know if it's because we're not seen and it is, you know, I guess particularly an anonymous job that there's a sort of camaraderie that's so authentic and a generosity. I mean, for example, Tara Strong, who I love, I grew up mm-hmm. with in Toronto. Yes. She's been my sister for, we've been sisters since, I mean, we did our first c- cartoon together was Hello Kitty. I don't even know how old she was. She was just a baby, you know. Anyway, but I, we've loved each other for so long. And this, this lovely chick will say to me, will go to a job and say, you know what? I'm not the voice for this, but you should really call Cree Summer. She's, she could nail this. Nice. Or I'll say, you know, this princess sounds like she's been smoking mentholated cools and drinking Jack Daniels. You better call <laughs> Tara because I ain't the one, you know. 
uh, but I'll do, <laughs> you know, but I will say as far as voiceover people that I love to work with, just all of them, you know, Charlie Adler, Tress McNeil, oh God, the list goes on. Not just the actors, the, the directors, Andrea Romano, and there's just, I don't know, I, you know, Rob Paulson, there's millions, you know, not millions, but you know, I'd say everybody there. I'm hard pressed to find someone in, in, in my field that I wouldn't hang out with on purpose. Everybody's so good. So good. Spo- I'm spoiled to tell you the truth. Filmmaker of Fruitvale Station, Creed and Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. They see them all their own selves in it. You know, the same way that my dad sees, you know, his relationship with his mom and his relationship, you know, and sees his life in the characters, you know what I mean? And, and it was something that he wanted to share with, with, with me when I was too when I was too young to even know what was going on. So I hope that people people take a sense of ownership over you know, over this film the way that, that uh the way that the way that uh the way that they have in, uh, over films like this before. Um, and I hope that, 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 that young folks embrace it, you know, because it's, it's definitely a movie from, 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 from the millennial perspective, you know. Um, so, that's, so those are my biggest hopes, I think. Uh, it, so that, that's one thing I didn't say to you. It's so encouraging that you, that, that, you know, that you liked it, you know, because um, that was something that was very, you know, that was very, that was very important to me. You know, it's so many, you know, it's so many dynamic, dynamic women, you know, the characters in this, in this movie. I had a contributor from Black Girl Nerds with me watch the the press screening last night, and we were both really just impressed with Tessa Thompson's character, that this is a woman that has her own agency, she's independent, she's not relying on a man to, you know, help her see the ways of the world, like she's her own independent person, and we really read into that when watching that film. So I just want to say thank you for developing oh. such a nuanced female character as well as uh, the male character of Adonis. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world, man. Tessa's an incredible actress. Um, I mean, she was able to she was able to stand toe-to-toe with Michael and, and Sly, you know, no problem. Um, and, and, and her character was, uh, you know, her character is extremely dynamic and, 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 and interesting, you know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, when we meet, when we meet, you know, we meet our character. She's a, uh, you know, she's she's a hearing woman, but um, but but she's dealing with uh, she's dealing with the early, er, you know, the early stages of early stages of progressive hearing loss. You know, which is something that um that that, that we found um we found interesting. It came from a personal relationship with mine, my fiance being a sign language interpreter, um, very entrenched in the, in the deaf community in the Bay Area. You know, um, so so she was able to, you know, she was able to handle so many things as well as, you know, as well as having, you know, a woman who was career oriented. You know, uh. uh which is something we were very interested in in terms of telling the story from a millennial perspective. You know, that's how relationships look in this day and age. You know, you oftentimes we see women more career-oriented than, than, than the men in a relationship. You know what I mean? And, what, and, and, and dealing with what that means. You know, so uh, so, so those are all things I was incredibly grateful um, for, 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 for having Tessa. Actor Echo Kellum from the CW hit uh, show era. Well, uh, I'm trying to get up to the seminal ladder. I'm trying to work my way up there still. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's really interesting. Two years ago, uh, myself and a co- couple of very close personal friends of mine out in the industry, all actors and whatnot, we set and forth this operation called Operation Let's Take Over Hollywood. Um, and we were <laughs> just like, we're tired of seeing all these buff dudes get all the cool comic book roles and 
stuff like that. And so we just went, we just started going to the gym, like as a group, like mm. hardcore. So like I got into the gym, like pretty crazy. I put on like 30 pounds of muscle. This before, this is before I even booked um, Arrow and stuff like that. So that's definitely like, I'm a gym rat. I love it. But recently, like two months ago, I sprained my rotator cuff. So I've been like out of commission a little, but my salmon ladder skills are definitely getting, getting back on point. I'm starting to get back in. So hopefully by the time I do don my costume, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be hitting the ladder up. Uh, but as far as the costume goes, I think they were saying potentially into this season, potentially next season. That could happen for the costume. But they have they have kept me in the dark on that. I, I don't even know when I'll be able to don it. I just know it will happen eventually. Okay, so they're going to keep us waiting. Darn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> last question. What, what do you enjoy most about working on Arrow? You know, honestly, it's a tie between working with the actors out there, like Emily and, and Steven and David, and the fans, honestly, the fandom. Um, you know, I've been on a couple of TV shows and they were all canceled. And it's just phenomenal to connect with people who are passionate about a project, you know, who, who really see these characters and, you know, they notice the parallels they have in their life and they really push it and drive for these characters. And it's like just so cool to just be able to connect with people like that on a daily basis. And it just like, for me, it's, it's, it's about like giving back, you know, cause it's like as actors, you know, if, if we don't have fans, we're just rehearsing. Mm. It's not really a show, you know? So it's just that aspect of it and being able to give light to people who bring a lot of light to me is probably the thing that I love the most about being on a show like this. Shake your booties for black girl nerds.